TV made by underrepresented groups. We're proud to be the official partner of the International Clermont-Ferrand Short Film Festival, the largest short film festival in Europe and one of the largest in the world. In this podcast, we mostly discuss issues around race and class in film and TV and interview people with interesting takes on and experiences in film and other screen-related matters. We are absolutely delighted to be joined by director, writer and actress Nana Mensa. Uh, so first of all, Nana, I'm aware you, you started off as an actress mm-hmm. or were you writing whilst you were acting and you had the ambition of directing and writing your own work? Mm. Or were you quite keen to just act? No, just I would have liked to have just been an actor, but um, I couldn't get arrested. So I was, you know, uh, in New York and there's kind of this running joke that every single New York actor has been on Law and & Order and I could not even get an audition for Law & Order. So I was really, really uh, scraping the bottom of the barrel there. And so I... Um, started writing and I, you know, I started writing in around 2011. I started writing when it kind of became clear that I was like not going to get any work as an actor after graduating. And, um, unless I wrote the parts myself, right? Because a lot of the things, even the things that I was getting auditions for were not very flattering. We're not very exciting. I think, you know, um, if I'm being, you know, in the cold, hard light of day, I think, you know, not a size zero, dark skin, black woman, you know, like it's like the options were very few and far between. No one would see. I remember um, there was a play. Gosh, I can't remember what year this was, but there was a play that was going on, um, Venus and Fur, uh, and it was... Um, you know, Nina Arianda was who, who was cast in in the role, and I remember reading the um the the breakdown for the and being like, that is so perfect. I would be so great in that. And of course, like nobody was looking at me for that part. They were looking at Nina Arianda, and so that was like a very um that was that kind of happened time and time again. It was like, oh wow, I think I'm going to have to start writing and and contributing my voice that way because no one is interested in my voice contribution as an actor. And so that's it came. It was born out of necessity. And so I started writing, and then um, I had the idea to write a feature. I was very inspired by. Um, you know, folks like Greta Gerwig and um, Barry Jenkins' Men- Medicine for Melancholy, Lena Dunham's Tiny Furniture, like, you know, who kind of came out of the gate with very small, manageable films um, that they were able to kind of exert complete con- creative control over by virtue of their budgets, right? Because um, when you take the big money, then all of a sudden you have to take it, the big opinions of the people who are signing the big checks. And so... Um, yeah, and so that was basically how we ended up with Queen of Glory. We ended up interviewing a few or, you know, kind of having a short list of some directors that we were looking at for that. And all of them wanted to make this a very sad story. And though it deals with the death of a parent, it is not a tragedy. And um, and I and that was very clear to me. So it became clear in looking at other directors to direct it that I actually was the person who had a very crystallized vision of what it was supposed to look like. Even though you'd never directed before, true that was story. Your first, um, and it made me think as you were talking. And I know you've worked with Jada Plus mm-hmm. on the chair, and I've seen yeah. the chair, so I was really excited to be <laughs> after that. Um, I'd read the the Plus Brothers book, and what they say is that 
they'd spend this fortune making their first fe- their first feature film and it was a complete flop they didn't go anywhere and then their advice is to just make something yeah. whatever you can just make it and then it gets somewhere and with that success the small amount of success you get build something and it, you know it's incremental mm-hmm. um so it made me yeah jay that. has been a really 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 big yeah. support um throughout this process um you know he had not been to a theater to see a film since the pandemic he was being very careful he has you know wife and two children and he's been really careful about covid and the first time he set foot in a theater post covid was to see queen of glory in la and um and i was so so touched by that and he was so supportive of the film and tweeted about it and in fact emailed me like last week and was like what are you doing next and i'm like oh god jay please like leave me alone um but you know um i've been really really grateful for like him and other uh wonderful folks who are in the game just being really supportive and that's been a blessing for sure and i'm sorry because i'm i don't actually know are you originally from ghana or are you second generation Ghanaian? yeah so i was born in the states yeah i was right. born in the states i'm a dual citizen but i was born in the states yeah and i found um there are and maybe that's just me, but there are very few films about um, African immigrants to the mm. US mm. or, um, you know, black Americans of African origins. Mm-hmm. We don't see that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know why that is. And I think about a lot of the um, the folks that I know just like of my generation, for example, like Issa Rae and Yvonne Orji, like Issa Rae is... Uh, half Senegalese, half Black yeah. American, and Yvonne is 100% Nigerian, born in Nigeria, and then came to the States, um, I believe, as a child. And um, and those are two, like, women who are kind of operating, firing on all cylinders, like, operating. And, and most people don't know that they're, you know, that would not think that they're African, especially because they're on a show together, and I don't mm-hmm. believe that their African origins were ever addressed in Insecure. Um, I think of, you know, yeah, like folks like that who a lot of times, uh, in even some British Africans, uh, you know, that a lot of people, aside from their names, maybe don't necessarily recognize that they're African as well. There is a weird thing about that. I think it's shifting. I think there's a lot of exciting um, playwrights and... Um, and writers who are kind of out, TV writers and 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 um, directors who are kind of out there, you know, moving that narrative forward. I'm thinking of like Jocelyn Bio, the playwright. Um, I'm thinking of Denai Guerrera. Um, you know, the stuff that Lupita Nyong'o is is yeah. producing, and she's obviously not American, or I think maybe she might have been naturalized, but she's not. You know, she was not born in the states. So I think that there's um you know, an exciting vanguard of people who are kind of coming up and uh, starting to center those African stories. I know even actually speaking of Yvonne Orji, I know that she's been in development on a TV show that uh, would have, you know, deal with those themes of what it's like to be a first generation African in America. Um, So I think it's shifting. I think the landscape is shifting, but I think it's ultimately an immigrant population that you're right, hasn't gotten a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of airtime. But uh, I think our parents can't, Came, uh, or we came at a young age, but mostly like our parents came and they worked the jobs that they worked to kind of get um, our feet on the ground kind of planted very firmly in the States or, or in the West. And um, and now we've got a little bit of breathe room. I think, yes, you know, we're not getting the whole like you need to be a doctor lawyer, um, you know, to make us proud. Like all of a sudden 
there's a kind of flowering of, of all the potential of what we could be. And um, to that end, there are more voices kind of being added to the to the to the to the pot, to the, to the stew. Yeah. And I'd be interested in your opinion on or maybe in your experience. What have you felt is the relationship amongst um the African Im immigrants around you to America. So, for example, I was having this chat with my co-host, uh, Sakura, who's, uh, well, she's black American, but mm -hmm. she's American. She's been American for generations. And her, mm -hmm. and for her, there's like quite a gulf uh, between black Americans and then um, Africans who come yeah. to America or usually to the UK and France. Mm -hmm. And in the case of UK and France, their colonial powers. So there's a very specific dynamic where you have, for example, people from the Caribbean, often a very royalist, and they feel very kind of quite conservative and very much uh, part of the British Empire. Mm -hmm. And whereas uh, other people from other countries feel very much resentful that, you know, this is what the empire did to us. And now mm -hmm. we, you know, we're, we're here because mm -hmm. <laughs> there's nothing left mm -hmm. where we come from. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just curious to see what's the relationship with America, like why America as a land to migrate to, and do they yeah. feel at home or do they feel like they're, you know, foreigners in in that land? Yeah, it's you know, it's kind of divided by um, my, in my personal family history. It's kind of divided by maternal and paternal. My paternal family went to the states, mostly in the Bronx, um, and then my maternal family went to, came to England. And I think my parents, uh, my mom did do a short stint in England, but like they would, they chose the States, I think, because they felt like there was less, you know, the class strictures were a little bit more fluid. Um, and, um, and that those barriers, the barriers to entry were slightly lower. Um, obviously they still expressed, I mean, experienced, you know, racism and all of those things. And, um, and classism and but i think uh it was a little bit more because america is just such a bigger country mm. there was just like a a little bit more space frankly to kind of carve out your own um narrative and so um that i think that's what appealed to them um and I see it from their perspective, for sure. They are definitely miffed that, you know, my husband and I chose to make our lives in the UK. But um, but I think that there's a, a very interesting, um, I think there is a really complicated relationship between Africans and America. Because, yes, they look at the UK as a colonial power that, you know, really did oppress them. Mm -hmm. And um, and that, therefore, there's kind of a fresh start in the in the U.S., but of course, the U.S. exists solely because of what the U.K. did and what Europe mm -hmm. did in terms of, you know, like the U.S. is the sole beneficiary. I mean, not sole, actually, everyone benefited, but like from the crushing, you know, absolutely barbaric mm -hmm. slave trade, mm -hmm. um, America rose, you know, and, 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 and would be nothing if it hadn't been for that involvement and that tampering in just people's lives um, coming out of, of specifically West Africa. So I, I, I think that there is a little bit of um, 
selective amnesia that happens when it comes to looking at America from a lot of my relatives who, who've chosen to make a life there. Um, you know, a deliberate ignorance of part of its history and rather focusing on it being the land of opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, their concerns are very material, really. They need to go where the, where the opportunities are. With the surely, money surely. But I think what's really interesting, too, is that a lot of my aunts and uncles uh, and my parents also have returned to Ghana. You know, that they have left, they've left the West. And I think, you know, certain, um, you know, there's that whole like medical racism thing, right? Like the unknown, the black tax of what it is to be a black person in in the West and, and the ways in which, you know, high blood pressure and things like that kind of like... Um, uh, I mean, I'm speaking very much out of turn because I'm not well read on the topic, but there's an, there's an idea that being a black person carries such a tax that it actually begins to um, affect your health. Like mm. in, in the and I think my parents have kind of gotten wise to that and as have my aunts and uncles. And I've seen like a, you know, starting in the in the 90s, really, but like eventually a lot of my my um my um, aunts and uncles and parents that generation have 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 built houses and come to retire back in Ghana, which I think is really beautiful. You know, um, it's like they did it. They they worked really hard. They put up with a lot of crap, and now they're ready to come back and 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 be Ghanaian, be Ghanaian in Ghana, and that's a wonderful kind of homecoming. I think. Well, it's their home. So it yeah, is their home, so. yeah. But a lot of people, I mean, I have friends <laughs> who are of other backgrounds whose parents, like, you know, who are Korean or, 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 or mm. you know, so so East Asian and and uh, and then also, like, from the subcontinent and whatnot who whose parents have gotten so enmeshed in Americanism that they actually don't feel at home back mm. at their homelands. And so they don't end up going back. And, um, you know, so I could see it from both ways last question is what what are you doing now or what you can share with us yeah sure no um no 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 nothing is nda'd (laughs) i i just wrapped um on a a really wonderful series for netflix called the diplomat um with Mm. carrie um carrie oh my gosh washington nope the other carrie carrie russell (laughs) <laughs> yes, Carrie Russell and Rufus Sewell. Um, and oh. uh, that is a show run by Deb Kahn. She of West Wing, Homeland. Um, yeah. She's a wonderful, wonderful, uh, Grey's Anatomy, I believe as well. She's a fantastic writer, a very funny, smart writer. And it's a really funny, smart show. So I'm really excited about that to come out next year. Um, and are, are you acting in it? Yeah, or, yes, or, I'm acting in it. No, 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 just okay. acting. And um, and so I'm working on that. I've just finished work on that. And then uh, in terms of my own projects, you know, I've got some some irons in the fire and just kind of waiting to see um, what happened. That mentor who gave me that really good advice about reverse engineering a, a, a script about around what I could get for cheap or free. Um, she uh, also said that, like, your first film is a calling card. And that is mm-hmm. um, and 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 that's all it is. You know, don't. Don't make your first film thinking you're going to make $100 million at the box office because you will be sorely disappointed. It is something to point to, to be like, look, this is my voice. This is what I can do. Um, and it will be the building block to the next thing. And so um, now I'm now that I've gotten that under my belt, I'm now, um, you know, I'm looking at a couple of adaptations. Um, you know, I'm looking at um, some stuff that I've written early days that I'm kind of dusting off and revisiting now that I know what it takes to actually make a film. And so I'm just like in that, um, I've got some TV stuff in development, um, uh, 
you know, so I'm just kind of like doing that. <laughs> I'm just kind of doing the hustle, you know, um, and 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 but it's been really wonderful because, you know, the projects that I do have my eye on, the adaptations I do have my eye on. It's a lot easier to get meetings with people who can write the check to make me to l- let me be able to do the thing that's not that won't be as hard the first time. Yeah. I, I think mm-hmm. that was one of the things that my producers kept saying in the deep, dark moments of making Queen of Glory. They would be like, it will never be this hard again. <laughs> no, that's, that's I mean, the, there will be a different set of challenges. It will be hard in a different way, right? But it will never be this hard again. So I'm mm-hmm. feeling very... Um, that is my mantra. It will <laughs> never, it will never be that hard yourself. again. As a, as a filmmaker, they know what's um, right. You know mm-hmm. what they're investing in. I guess. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so that's what's going on with that. You know, yeah. It's just some adaptations, some feature adaptations. I'm very much trying to put together my next feature, um, and then, uh, and then some TV stuff as well. Yeah. Oh, that's very exciting. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you so much. That was it from us this week. Thank you very much for listening. Of course, do tweet us your comments and feedback at MyDialorama or write to us at mydialorama.org.uk and you can support us by clicking on the coffee link in the blurb below.